G'day, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Leadership. This is Eric Perez. Thank you for joining me again. A lot more content coming around this thing called leadership. And as always, thank you for your support of the content that I'm producing, as well as always a big thing. thanks to my previous guests and today's guest. So by way of introduction, today's guest is the Executive Director of Ausdance Queensland. Can I welcome to the podcast, Julie Engfield. How are you, Julie? I'm very well, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Mate, it's a pleasure to have you here. So let's get right to it. Where I start these podcasts is around asking what the origins of your leadership pathway. So in 200 words or less, how did you uh, how did you kick things off, mate? I think I started leading before I started getting paid for it, which is often the case for people in my types of position. I began running a piano department for Brashes, which went out of business many years ago. I wrote to Steinway, which was a piano manufacturer, and said, I really like your piano because I loved it and I want to find out more. And they said, well, that's convenient because we're looking for someone to specialise in our piano. So that was how it started. Uh, And that was essentially where it began. Sure. So just as a a follow-up to that that first question about your, your origins in leadership, you've had other experiences other than being executive director. In terms of mapping your career pathway, did you have a mentor? Did you try and model your career off some key people in your world, whether that's in in paid roles or in other walks of life that helped you to get to the leader that you are today? In my career, I had a mentor in the in the piano business who was not in the piano business. Uh, he was in retail and he he understood. I guess, career trajectories. I wasn't actually that interested in a career trajectory. It was more that I was interested in which way would be the most effective use of my ability. So when someone says to me, you know, what was your career plan? I never had a career plan. I still don't have a career plan. Um, It is really very much about seeing opportunities and and starting to do something and eventually, as I said, eventually getting paid for it. So I finally met the uh, the hybrid of a leader and an entrepreneur because uh, you sound like some of the entrepreneurs that I've had on the podcast and that, that makes for some interesting um, interesting responses coming up. So let, let, me, let me ask you this. You've been in the world of work, obviously. Do you see any difference at all if, if there is one between the leadership function and the managerial function? Uh, Yes, and that was particularly evident last year during COVID. Leadership meant you're prepared to do things that no one's ever done before and you're comfortable in the space of not having examples or templates or a rule book. Management is far more structured and it is a lot more to do with, I guess, administration of and and direct management of people. So my management style is very hands-off because it's the only type of management style that works with leadership for me. I don't think I could work in an environment where I was being micromanaged. I think my approach, much like yours, is you've got to be able, if you can, as a leader, to let the people that are working for you do their thing and have a degree of trust in what they can do. And so, yeah, I agree for me that that's a very key distinction. And and for your information, for those listening, this, this has been a fairly consistent response in that the management is the operational doing of the doing of the business, whereas leadership is something different. And I 
think that's coming across quite clearly to yourself. Can you be a good leader without having been a manager? And can you be a good manager without having some leadership traits? Like do you need, does one necessarily need the other? I don't think so. Leadership doesn't necessarily mean business. Leadership can be social. It can be environmental. It can be, it can be about communities. It can be about families. It doesn't, um, leadership itself is nothing to do with, with business. Management can be done without being a leader. You have to be someone who is respected. In terms of leadership, there's plenty of examples of industries last year who didn't necessarily have leaders, survived, and it was fine, but there was nothing new done. How do you define leadership? What's the parameters of leadership in your mind, remembering that there is no right or wrong answer here? What, what what, What do you, in the grand scheme of things, how do you define that term? Leadership is demonstrating both to, in the business context, context, demonstrating both to people in the organisation and the stakeholders of the organisation that you are prepared to drive a direction, you're prepared to take risks, you're prepared to do new things, and you'll back yourself while you do it. So a, a, a very key element of leadership is is responsibility and understanding the essence of responsibility I think someone who is a leader who makes a mistake is the type of person that would say yeah I made a mistake and at the same time recognizes it learns from it moves on I'm asking it's just for your again for your consideration for those that are listening one of the things I've wanted to do with this podcast, and I think I'm doing it successfully, is asking that more basic question, well, what's leadership mean to you? I think everyone's going to have a slightly different look on it. And it, it explains in my mind a little bit why there is so much research focused on leadership, because there is no one unified, agreed definition. Because I think people being individuals, we all look at leadership differently, whether you're the leader or you're the led, and it, people bring different lenses to that. So I, I appreciate that response. It's often been said that leadership's a lonely pathway, a lonely road. Is it as lonely as you make it or is it not lonely in any sense? That's a really interesting question because I think it does depend on the type of person you are as to whether you see that as being lonely or as being left alone to get some stuff done. So I don't feel it's lonely, but I'm very comfortable being alone. I am not afraid to walk the opposite way to the crowd and I've never conformed. It is perhaps the case that people who are naturally leaders or or developed leaders are very comfortable in that space where they do their own thing or they make their own decisions or they work by themselves. There's the element about being lonely. I think that probably applies more to management, the, the management side of things, because as a manager and as in a very as a good and effective manager, you manager you you can't really you can be very good you can be good friends, but the, with your employees, but there's a limit to that relationship in order to retain professionalism. I think the difficulty comes in small organizations, that level of relationship that that's outside of the command and control type ideology around leaders and, and the led and build, building relationships of trust and friendships almost, if you want to call them that, if that's the other word for that. Uh, can make for a very strong team in a small organization, but that has its pitfalls. And I think it's a lot more difficult to do when you're looking at very big organizations, because then the problem becomes how much does the leader of a business get involved in the operational side 
versus the managers doing that. And I have a view or a feeling, but no evidence to back this. So it's, it's just a, a feeling, I guess, from my own travels that the bigger the organization, the more distant the leader is from um, those that they're leading by nature of the fact that you've got a lot of people and, and creating small dynamic teams is very difficult when you've got a large workforce. There's a very interesting podcast called Business Wars and one of the major series was on a, the organisation called WeWork and it was pretty clear that the leader of WeWork had lost touch with the employees. This, I think, as you say, in a large organisation, that's not hard for that to happen. But I feel like a good leader must have a relationship with employees and stakeholders. In my position at Ausdance Queensland, it's what's very important is not only the relationship with the immediate employees, stakeholders, board, that type of thing, but also with our members. And our members can range from 90-year-old community dance people in regional Queensland through to inner-city contemporary dancers and major ballet companies. So I, as a leader, have to be able to relate to them the same way I have to be able to respect them. I feel that a leader needs to respect their, I guess, their community in order to lead. The nuance of of leadership is exactly exactly what you're talking about that you're not just dealing with your immediate business family if I can use that term but you've also got those actors those stakeholders out in the world that you've got to you've got to create certain relationships with so yeah that that makes a lot of sense to me measuring success what does that look like for you I think it depends on the job measuring success for me personally I think that that's one of those things that where you look at someone and go, well, what is it that drives you? What is it that motivates you? For me, it's absolutely not money. It, uh, which of course, of course, is very disappointing for some members of my family. But it is, it is what it is. What motivates me and how I assess my own success is whether or not I've been able to make a difference, whether I've been able to achieve systemic or substantial sustainable change. Those kinds of things motivate me. From a, an organisation's perspective, obviously, from in the, man, in the context of management, you have your KPIs. So, for example, number of members we have at Ausdance Queensland or what we have managed to achieve legislatively or from a regulatory perspective in the period when then we measure, you know, measure satisfaction and what have you. I guess that's always the, the mix is that in different positions, measures of success will be driven by a board or your immediate boss, whoever that might be. Whereas other measures of success are really those things that you talk about, the, the things that drive you. So I've, I've heard quite a lot in the responses in this podcast around the idea that when you see someone blooming from their current role into a new one and you've helped develop their career trajectory, that that is a, ma- a massive uh, buzz for people in, lead- in in some leadership roles. Some leaders don't believe that that's their job. And, and I can understand that. I fall in the camp that if you can help others get a leg up or get better at something or find their niche, 
then you're sort of giving back because if we if we cycle back a little bit to what would be my definition of leadership, definitely an element of it for me is being of service to others. So hopefully when you leave that organization, you've helped somebody to grow in their role or helped a colleague to do the same. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't always have to be that dynamic of the leader and the led. I think if you're working with others that are very capable people, you'll find that you create networks where you can bounce ideas off each other. When I was younger and a bit more structured about my approaches to jobs, I had this plan. My my objective in each job was to make my position redundant. Later on, I realised that it wasn't that I wanted to make my position redundant. That was the right angle side effect. What my objective was, was to improve the system so much that someone like me wouldn't be needed. And there are some organisations where, of course, I can't, like, I can't make the executive director position of Ausdance redundant because that would not be very helpful. I can improve the system so much that that person, whoever's doing that role going forward, it will it will be an extremely effective role. And that I think is, is, the, is the job at large. Leader capability. So we've touched on your pathway, some of, some of your thoughts around things like leadership and management and so on. Let me ask you this. What, what do you believe are core or key leader capabilities? What are those essential capabilities in your mind for a, an effective leader? I think a leader needs to have vision that goes beyond the next annual report. So... I think about 10 to 20 years ahead and I I very much look back to the past to understand what is possible for the future. The ability to zoom out and, and look at things in perspective, look at it from external angles to look at it from other industries to look at it historically to so to see where something has been and what the patterns were that objectivity and, and perspective is really important and the last thing is confidence a good leader usually and I, I have to say I've always been probably leadership in thinking but I haven't always been in leadership positions obviously because when you start at 18, start work at 18 or 20, whatever, you're not a leader. Um, but but that, as you get older and more experienced, you become more confident. And someone who's prepared to who's prepared to take a risk and go, yep, I'm good with that, and not be afraid of any kind of response or reaction and not be concerned about what other people might think or politics or hierarchy or any of those things, uh, that's a really key, that's a really key capability. Brilliant. Okay. Um, let me ask you this, and this is this is a question across all the podcasts and, and one that I enjoy asking. The nature versus nurture debate, are leaders born or are they made? Or is it a combination of the two? Well, I'm probably uniquely placed to to answer that question because I was adopted at birth. My biological parents, particularly my biological mother, is very much a leader, has been very much a thought leader, political leader, community leader. And my biological half uh, siblings are also all like that, where my family who brought me up were not so much. My my father was a leader, but it it was more of a, um, I guess in those days, was less visible to, to me growing up. And my mother was a stay at, is a stay-at-home mum and, and she hasn't necessarily had those experiences. My mother who brought me up was always class president all the way through high school and 
my father, when he finished university, moved to America from England and started eventually working in the, at the very forefront of the telecommunications industry, ultimately setting up the first telecommunications centre for Air New Zealand. So he took quite substantial professional and personal risks, which in those days was pretty unheard of, to do the things that he believed in, that he loved, and and led very large, large organisations. My mum, even though she later on didn't work, has always been very active in the community and and very and to this day emails her friends in in uh, Hawaii which is where she was born and, and grew up to tell them how they ought to be voting it is i think a combination of nature and nurture yeah brilliant i appreciate your time today it, these podcasts are very important for me to get the word out that there are many many different views to leadership and the the podcast platform itself is a, is an open resource for on leadership so Julie, thank you for your time before we go though i might ask you if you'd like to give a bit of a plug to what you do at ausdance before i um, sign off thanks eric it's been it's been it's one of those conversations that you never really think you have unless you're unless you're forced in that direction so it was good to have a think about those um subjects so ausdance queensland is a membership organization that serves all members of the dance community which includes everything from Queensland Ballet, for example, right the way to multicultural community dance, all dance studios, independent dancers, teachers and contractors. We have about 1,200 members and and our objective is to have probably closer to 5,000 in the next three years. So it's a big big lot of work ahead, but my current, the current work is to do with regulation and it's, it's very much long overdue. So it's quite interesting. Thanks for listening. I've been speaking to Julie Englefield from the executive director of Ausdance Queensland. And for those listening, I'll put details to Ausdance Queensland in the podcast description. Thanks again for following us and I'll catch everyone on the next podcast.